The cybersecurity landscape is full of single solution providers, making it easy for unexpected cyber threats to sneak through the cracks. That's why Fortress is creating a stronger, simpler strategy for protection, one that increases your security maturity while decreasing the operational burden that comes with it. This is all possible thanks to Fortress' best-in-class portfolio and deep bench of expert problem solvers. Fortress' integrated, scalable solutions help customers face their toughest challenges with confidence. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash Fortra, F-O-R-T-R-A. If your organization is ready to embrace edge computing, we have good news. The 2023 AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report provides everything you need to know to get started. In the report, we identify the common characteristics of edge computing, we found edge use cases are rapidly coming online, and we reveal how to secure edge computing. Most importantly, you'll learn how to prepare for your edge ecosystem. Get your complimentary copy of the report today. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash ATT cybersecurity. That's securityweekly.com forward slash ATT cybersecurity. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Brenner from CRA. We are back with our continuing coverage um, of InfoSec World 2023. And I have the pleasure of being joined by Nathan Wensler, Chief Security Strategist at Tenable. And if you want to know more about Tenable, by the way, please visit securityweekly.com slash TenableISW, as in InfoSec World, to learn more about them. Welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, um, you and I were talking a little bit before we went live, and you were talking about how and it's certainly the hype factor around here right now. Um, AI, you know, the, the potential for good, the potential for evil. And we talked about what's the practical discussion to be having here. So let's start there. Yeah, I, I think it's a really important one and certainly one I feel like I'm having often these days because like any new tool or technology that we've seen in the last 10 or 15 years, there's always some amount of hype and bluster about it. It's going to change everything. People are going to lose jobs. We're all going to, you know, cybersecurity is going to go away because these tools will take over, whether it's AI today or ML a couple of years ago or user behavioral analysis before that or SOAR platforms or SIM or we, we can go backwards in time to all kinds of tools. But at the end of the day, they are just tools. And I think it's important, especially right now, where AI as a concept has made its way into the non-technical arena, consumer level, people are using it, ChatGPT and the like. So we, we've moved an idea that's kind of outside of the specialty area of cybersecurity into the broader world, but that also means there is a lot of hype and a lot of buzzwords around it, and I think it gets used uh, incorrectly by a lot of organizations. So taking a step back to really understand that what is the idea, the discipline of AI, well, it encompasses a lot of things. If you look at how universities teach it today and how research groups are working on it, you know, it is about machine learning and it is about large language models and it is generative AI and there is deep learning and there's all these sort of very specific data processing concepts that are all part of the idea of artificial intelligence. When we think about it that way, it starts to become a little bit easier to see the ways that you can use it in a more practical manner and step away from the 
sort of the hype of the whole thing to think that it's going to right. upend an entire industry and now we can start being a little more practical about, well, how do I make this work better in my organization? How do I leverage the tool to, or the concept to make my teams more efficient or make us more secure? Uh, these are the kinds of things that we need to really kind of start to focus on rather than just the hype of it's going to tell me what to do from, the, from now on. <laughs> I do find it interesting. So, it seems like in early 2023, a lot of people got the idea that AI was suddenly a thing because they found ChatGPT. But this is something that has, that security companies, including Tenable, have been you know, working with years. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely I think the chat GPT phenomena um, added to the, sparked this hype and it's, it's, Absolutely. Just, it's just funny how, how the, the webs are weaved. Well, and I think part of it too, it's, it's how we define it, right? I mean, you think about, I mean, just to give you the example, I mean, at Tenable we've been using uh, machine learning concepts to do um, essentially predictive analysis for threats and we see new vulnerabilities come out, we have models based on what we've seen in the past to try to identify, does this new vulnerability that's been identified, what's the likelihood that it becomes fully exploitable with a, a ransomware kit behind it and, and absolutely monetized within the next 28 days? And the, the, the algorithms and the work, the, the, the computational power behind that, it's machine learning, it's, it's AI, it's a right. form of AI. We don't think of it as in terms of ChatGPT, but it is very much the same kind of um, same kind of concept. So talk about that. You know, um, there are practical, and you just started to talk about it. Sure. There are practical applications, and you just mentioned machine learning, um, generative AI, large language models. Talk about the very straightforward application that should be the goal? So, generative AI for me I think has some of the most interesting possibilities in cybersecurity because conceptually what we're talking about here is something that translates a lot of data, big open data set, into something that is a little more easy to digest. Now, that might be have a natural language engine on the front of it, like a large language model to help translate it into something that's conversational. But the idea is that we're distilling down massive amounts of data into something that's much more easy to understand. And that's a big challenge for cybersecurity people in general. We are inundated with data. All of our security tools, all of our scans and endpoint tools and firewalls and all the things that we use to manage, it all generates mountains of data. So having the capability to look at these big data sets and leveraging a generative AI model to say, well, Here's all these different data points. What's actually happening here? Use it for a form of explainability. So that I can take this really technical data that's hard to understand. It could be in you know, syntax that's you know, code-based syntax that I might not understand uh, really easily. Mm -hmm. And be able to translate that into a way of saying, ah, oh, well, here is, a, here is an attack that's actually happening in your environment right now. It compromised this system, which is owned by Nathan. Nathan happens to also be a domain admin, so you have this risk. And it can walk you through essentially translating all that really technical data into something that a SOC analyst or a forensic analyst or someone who's just 
trying to wrap their head around where am I in danger in the organization really quickly and really easily. And that lends itself into you know, better training models for SOC analysts. We talk all the time about the challenge of hiring new cybersecurity professionals. Well, if I can, if I can leverage those kinds of, tr th those explainability concepts, I can help a junior SOC analyst get up to speed far faster because the tools will be able to explain it to them in a more natural way, be able to kind of connect the dots for them in a lot of ways. It's, it's a training process, uh, which means I'm going to get better return on that hire. I'm going to be able to get them uh, into a more full-fledged stock analyst role more quickly. There's a lot of, lot of benefit to that kind of thing. Uh, it's not terribly sexy, to be frank, but that idea that we can turn complicated data sets into easily, easy to digest and understandable paragraphs, if you will, means we can make decisions faster, we can get to remediation faster, I can train faster, we literally can make our programs move faster uh, by leveraging those kinds of concepts to, to translate the data. So we've been talking about this in the larger big picture sense. Let's narrow the aperture to Tenable and what Tenable is working on, the concepts that you're putting into the tools. Again, you've, <laughs> you've you know, it's pretty straightforward where we're going with this, but I want to narrow that aperture. Yeah, it's, I mean, so in Tenable, uh, as you know, I mean, we've been in the vulnerability analysis business for 25 years. You know, we created Nessus, we've been in cybersecurity for a long, long time. A lot of us, myself included, I mean, we started our careers using tools like Nessus. And we've continued to take that concept of analyzing technology for risk this entire time. We just, now we do it for anything. You know, cloud and identities and operational technology, web application, whatever kind of technology you might have, we have capabilities to assess it for risk and for vulnerabilities. But tying that all together is what gets hard. And as we know, as technology landscapes get more complicated, get more interconnected, you can't simply look at uh, a misconfiguration in your AWS platform in an isolated way. You need to be able to understand, well, what does that misconfiguration provide access to? And what does that access provide an attacker? What can they get to behind that? And could they launch attacks against a web application? And could that lead to data loss? And, you know, the, the attackers will move through your environment however they can. But as defenders, we often don't think that way. So one of the things that we've been doing at Tenable is, is incorporating some of these generative AI explainability concepts. Because we see the vulnerabilities in all the different technology spaces, we can start to connect the dots in an automated way so that uh, an analyst can sit down or a SOC, you know, a SOC person can sit down and say, well, I know I have a misconfiguration here in AWS, how bad is it really? And start to map out an easy way to understand what other risks sort of lay downstream so that we can make good decisions and say, well, do I need to fix this immediately or can I use this in my normal like patch cycle or my normal mitigation cycles? Um, maybe it, it doesn't go anywhere disastrous. I might have time. Or maybe that simple flaw actually opens up my very critical infrastructure or my customer databases in a way that I didn't expect. And being able to take all of that different disparate data and talk about it uniformly is something that generative AI models are really good at. They're really good at extracting the commonalities out of all that data and where it all connects. So it's a, it's a really kind of powerful way 
of being able to understand in an organization where you're really at risk far beyond just the simple, well, it's Microsoft Patch Tuesday and we need to deploy a couple of patches. It really can start to align more with business ideas and say, yeah, we have a lot of patches, but this one can lead to a compromise of a you know, mission critical system. This is really my priority today. And without some of that analysis tools, I wouldn't have seen that quickly. So we're looking at leveraging the kind of these AI concepts to make that risk decision-making process happen more quickly because time is our enemy in all of this. You give an attacker more time, they will find a way. The sooner we identify the problem, the sooner we can remediate the problem, the sooner we can actually reduce the risk in our environments and that's ultimately that's the goal we're all trying to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for all you do and uh, all my best on all of these <laughs> efforts. You know, Appreciate Tenable that. has a long storied history and um, I look forward to seeing more of what you do on the AI front. Um, but just a reminder to the audience that if you want to learn more about Tenable, please go to securityweekly.com slash Tenable ISW. And we'll be back. Hello again everyone. We are back, continuing our live coverage from InfoSec World 2023. I'm Bill Brenner from Cyber Risk Alliance and I'm delighted to be joined here um, by Mike Campfield, who is the CRO of Uptix. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I should note to the audience, if you want to learn more about Uptix, visit securityweekly.com slash Uptix ISW, as in InfoSec World. And with that, let's begin. Welcome. Thanks, Bill. So, um, this is a new role you're in. Yeah. Talk yeah. about it. Seven, seven days in, uh, CRO. I'm uh, very excited about the opportunity. I uh, wasn't in the market to look for a new opportunity, but I've been watching the CNAP and XDR market for a number of years now. and. Uh, a lot of really exciting things have happened in the market, but I believe the best is yet to come. So, take me through um, what Uptix is about, what, for you as the newly minted CRO, the yeah. mission is. Yeah. So, uh, CNAP, the, the last P is a platform. Yep. And when you think about uh, all of the different capabilities that that type of solution has. You think about visibility, detection, response. Um, you know, there's a pretty broad capability set with, with those players. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people have been talking about the space. Uh, Left of Boom has been mostly CNAP right now where you're doing preventative compliance type use cases. Uh, I believe the, the biggest thing yet to come and why I'm so excited about the space is the, the right of boom, the, you know, the detection response, you know, getting uh, the threat actors uh, while they're in, in your systems. You know, and, uh, and so from a CRO perspective, you know, I'm, I'm planning for massive growth. Um, the space has gone through massive growth. Uh, over the last few years, there's been some big uh, unicorns and, and bigger than those, I hate to use that word, but uh, you know, when you think about uh, the this, this space has gotten a lot of investment as well as 
done quite well from a, uh, a valuation and a performance perspective. But again, I believe that the it's a, growth days are- It's a saturated market. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you then, um, let's talk about that. Because we were talking before we went live yeah. um, about the consolidation mindset. Mm. Talk about where Uptix stands on that and yeah, so from a, uh, a technology perspective, Uptix is the first unified platform to bring in the endpoint along with the, the cloud security. So you know, every solution starts a different way. There's some solutions in CNAP market are really more in the visibility and compliance side. Other people are more on the detection and response and the cloud security side. We've, we've built this from the ground up to work together from the endpoint to the cloud and really beyond. Very good. Now, um, if people want to come and learn more about Uptix yeah. here at InfoSec World, where can they find you? Sure, we're uh, right in the booth, right when you walk in the door. Um, we have a fantastic uh, experience. You, I saw the comics. Yes, our, so, we call it our nerd wall. It's uh, super fun. Uh, people really love the, uh, you know, the, the variety of things that we provide there for that. But the best part is obviously the technology. Talk about the comics though and how it relates. Yeah, so you know, we believe um, that when you're doing security, um, you're, you're usually doing three or four jobs, uh, you know, correlate that to superhuman. And when you think about um, you know, the, the job of an incident responder and anybody in security, you're, you're really protecting you know, uh, every part of our society, right? And um, I, I actually take that quite personally, being in security for a very long time. I love the mission mindset of that. And uh, you know, we believe that you actually don't have to be a superhero to protect your estate if you use our platform. So CNAP. Yes. Break down the components. I know what CNAP is. Okay. For those in the audience who maybe aren't as familiar, unpack it, please. Yeah, sure. You know, I think the CNAP market, it, where it really first started taking off, is in the CSPM side, so you're, you're looking at you know, how you visualize all of the assets across your estates, how you secure the, how, I'm sorry, how you, um, the levels of protection that are on those, so you're looking at you know, compliance uh, scenarios and um, threat scanning and vulnerability management. Um, then really, and this is more on the right side of Boom, the cloud workload protection um, side of the house, so you know, Kubernetes, you know, looking inside of your you know, hyperscalers, AWS, Google, a Azure, and uh, being able to find uh, threat actors that might be uh, you know, taking advantage of either the misconfigurations that you might have found, um, but also um, might have broken in a different way, um, and being able to catch them um, before they create too much havoc is, is what we can do. And then the last piece, and I think this is another exciting evolution of CNAP, is the entitlement uh, management part of it, and, really bringing the identity and um, the access uh, control uh, of really all of your devices from the endpoint to the cloud is uh, where the kind of the puck is going. And uh, you wrap that all up in the P, the platform, and those are the major components. So it's really the visibility, the detection, and then the response all put together. That's really CNAP in, a, in, in its entirety. In kind of a nutshell. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so, the big topics in InfoSec world this year, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion around AI. There's a lot of 
discussion about the cloud, of course. Sure. Um, what, um, what kind of conversations are you having with people in, te in terms of, they come to the booth, they're talking to you, what are they telling you in terms of what their needs are? Well, I mean, this was the year of, um, you know, kind of the, the natural language AI part of the house, right? Where you can ask natural questions to a machine. Um, it'll spit out natural answers for you, and that's actually a very core component of our solution. We have a part of our solution called Ask Uptix. So in just natural language, you know, tell me what my vulnerabilities are, tell me what, um, you know, what's misconfigured. We're able to bring that back to you uh, naturally. We also build an AI into our threat detection, so being able to do a baseline of all of your environments and you know, see where those things are different and where the deltas are, and then finding where those, uh, those changes might have happened are, are key uh, uses of AI inside of our platform, just a couple of examples. Um, if you also think of a, a, big, a big trend, it's also about consolidation, right? It's no secret that the, uh, the market uh, has, uh, has slowed down from an investment perspective, and people are looking at platforms, right? So, you know, best in class is still good in, in a lot of so, uh, security organizations, but also people want to have a comprehensive platform, not only from a investment in the vendor, but also um, to streamline their operations. And being operationally more efficient is a key trend that we're also seeing inside of uh, th this week. All right. Fantastic. Well, have a great rest of the week, and uh, thank you for joining us. Pleasure no talking to you. Nice to meet you, Bill. Again, to the audience, if you want to learn more about Upticks, securityweekly.com slash Upticks, I-S-W. Well, hi again, everybody. I'm Bill Brenner from CRA, and this is our continuing coverage of InfoSec World 2023. I'm delighted to be joined by Deidre Diamond, who I have known for many years, just through the, the wider industry. And uh, Deidre is the founder and CEO of CyberSN, founder of Secure Diversity. And if you want to know more about her organization, please visit securityweekly.com slash cyber, uh, cyber SN ISW, as in InfoSec world. So welcome. Yeah, it's so good to be with you. So you had a talk. Tell I us did. about your talk. I did. So uh, the title of my talk is We Need a Compliance Control for Retaining Cyber Talent. Yep. And the reason I'm calling for this control is because for the last nine years, I have been intimately uh, privy to the data that is burnout and job hopping, not hopping, because that's ridiculous to say, job changing. Uh, we have retention issues, and that's a national security issue. These aren't just jobs. These are security jobs. Of course, they're cybersecurity jobs, which is security jobs. And I don't get it. I don't get why we don't have the budgets for succession planning and for career development and um, 
And so I know that nothing happens uh, with change unless there's some sort of regulation, fines. I mean, I've been in the business since 2007. Nobody cared about vulnerabilities until PCI started fining. That's I mean, right. So, okay, I'm done talking about I remember about those this. Wild West days. Yeah, I was there. I was selling Rapid7 software as the first VP of sales. And uh, I was so thankful when PCI started fining. Uh, because that's when people cared. And so I've learned, I'm now in my 50s, I've learned that uh, we need you know, help sometimes to, to do the right thing. And, um, and so you know, if you look at the number one reason people leave their employer, it's- Churn and burn. Yeah, there's, it's, not a, it's not a program to develop and retain me. And yes, I'm here to do uh, and be of service to the company, but what happened to that also came with training, development, succession planning, as it did with most professions until recently. We're in this, seems to be this era of disposability has now come to jobs and people, not just materialism. And I don't like it. And I think that this is the one industry I could probably get a compliance control done in, and maybe it'll then help us with all other, you know, but it's, it's, it's not smart what we're doing, this lack of investment in this. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, at Cyber Risk Alliance, we do a monthly survey. We call it the Cybersecurity Buyer Intelligence Report, and the focus is on a specific topic every month. But whatever the topic, in every survey, this is what comes back as the big challenge. The difficulty finding the right hires and then in keeping them. And it's usually within the context of, well, it's easy to job hop and make more money. But what you're talking about the burnout factor, that's real. And we have seen it cost lives in this industry. I'm thinking, you know, people like Mike Murray. And um, so I applaud you for taking up the, taking on the torch for this. Yes, and I'm, uh, I'm definitely not putting it down. There's a group of us that are, you know, working on this framework now. Uh, to your point, I want to talk about this a little bit. I talked about this in my talk, this point of people thinking people are leaving their jobs because of money. It is not the case. And let me um, show why, where money comes involved. So, you know, if people are getting reach outs from recruiters every day, every single day. And so what's the day that made the return? And the day that, you know, what's the day that made that person make pick up the phone or, you know, shows how old I am, or, or respond to the email, right? Uh, it's, it's not the day that they thought about their income. It's not that. However, when somebody leaves a company, they're not going to tell HR the real reasons. They don't even want to tell their own boss the real reasons. I mean, we're not in a society that supports telling the real reasons. You need references, you need networking, you, know, you need, right? You're not going to do that. So what's the best thing to do? You're going to say money. And guess what? You did get more money than you're making at that company because when people make job moves, it's just expected. I mean, there is a risk factor. It could be the same problem. It could, 
be people that are worse. It could be, you know, poor culture. You know, there's so much risk. The older we get, we know those risks could be there. And so, but in general, people do get raises when they move. And so they're not lying when they say, I got more money, hard to pass up that money. And it also doesn't mean that the real reason they took that call or that in-mail that got that job or that person that called them about it, it's not the money. It's not. So I think that is something that's clouding this conversation because there's also the conversation that we're short a half a million people in the U.S. and two and a half million worldwide. And that also plays into this. It's not possible to retain. There's a shortage and you can move and make a ton more money like the snap of your fingers. And it's like, really? Do you hire people that move all the time because of money? You know, no, that's not. So you're not going to do that. And, and the shortage is mostly, well, yeah, there's a shortage because it takes years to develop to the skill. People. And so there's all these topics that are, it's almost like, you know, headline news, it's the buzzwords, it's all that, that's distracting from what's really going on. And there's two things that's really going on. There wasn't until literally what we're doing, a common language around cybersecurity jobs, what they are, not titles. Titles don't, aren't the job. CISO could be 100 different profiles. A security engineer could be 30. A analyst could be, you know, 25. You know, I mean, it's it's ridiculous to use titles to suggest that that is a way to, you know, understand this talent pool. And then, um, and then it's literally, you know, succession planning based on career development that was a concept in capitalism from the beginning, you know, and somehow it's it's disappeared. And so, because these people, all of us, are a part of national security, it seems to be that, you know, we need to, we need to solve this immediately. And the budgets aren't there for it. You know that. The budgets aren't there for training and developing and retaining people. And yet, everybody knows when you don't retain people, you lose. And so there's this, what's going on? This lack of clarity. So I'm bringing the, you know, the facts and the clarity to the conversation. And I think, you know, I'll tell you this. When I first did this talk about three or four weeks ago, it was a GRC conference in Vegas. And the first thing I said was, I want to know a poll before we start this talk. How many of you think we need a compliance poll, uh, control for retaining talent? How many do you think? What do you think the percentage was? 25, 30. 25, 30? No, guess what, 100%. I had 200 and something people in the room. I had a couple of people, on, 100 people online. I'm not kidding, it shocked me beyond belief. I thought by the beginning would be different than the end of my talk. And to just prove this point, the day before I covered for another speaker that couldn't make it. I did um, jobs data, all the jobs data that we have. And I said, before I start speaking, how many of you think job searching and uh, matching is a broken system? And how many, how many, what percentage do you think said that? 100. 63. So, 
Fascinating. These trick questions here. I'm tricking you because we all think we know this, like, like, (laughs) right? But like, people want the 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 retention piece solved, Mm -hmm. and um, and that's my point. (laughs) I I love it's a trick question because it shocked me that 100 percent. Who? When do we ever all agree on the same thing? I mean, seriously, 100 percent. Today in my talk, exact same thing. Um, and I asked, and I shared that story, and I got the same percentages that you were saying of pe- what people thought people would say. And so that's fascinating, right? Um, and so when you know when you see it at scale, like I do, you'll be out here fighting. So I'm going to make sure you all see it. Well, I look forward to seeing how it goes and what comes next. But uh, again, I applaud you for carrying the torch for this vital issue. So again, folks, Deidre Diamond, the founder and CEO. That's twice I've done that. Um, You could tell I've been doing these all day because I start tripping over the tongue. Um, But I also have a laid back approach to these, so anyway. Deidre Diamond, founder and CEO of CyberSN. And again, if you want to learn more about them, securityweekly.com slash cybersnisw. We'll be back.